Amen. Good morning. Thank you for being here. You guys ready for the closing prayer? That's about all we needed. I don't know about you, but that was good. Hashtag circle up. That's what happens. That's what happens when the enemy comes. We link arms and we circle up. That's how we fight our battles. Our worship is a weapon. Amen? That's the weapon. Amen. I'm so glad you're here. If it's your first time or your first time in a long time, my name is Jim. It's so good to have you. Thank you for joining us in worship this morning. I just want to say one quick thing. If you are sitting beside an empty chair, can you feel it? Can we all squeeze in towards the center? I don't want anybody to have to stand in the back. This is a good problem. Amen. It's a great problem. Thanks for showing out today. But if you've got a seat, squeeze in so we don't have anybody standing. That's good. Amen. I like that. We, uh, we cleared out this back closet. If everybody wants to turn around and look over here by the sound booth, there's one closet back there that we cleared out so that the worship team could have somewhere to sit and just like take a breath for the second service. Well, all the chairs we've already taken out of there for this. So this is good. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, you've joined us for a sermon series entitled Wells. And the question we're asking is, what fills your soul this morning? Where are you at? What fills your soul? We're looking at wells throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the conversations that happened around wells are super deep. No pun intended. There, there's a lot to be gained. There's a lot to draw from these conversations around wells. So this morning, we've got a really fascinating love story. Anybody in the mood for a great love story this morning? All you single ladies say, hey, that's me. Um, but this is, this is a good love story. It's, it's, um, it's one that I'm particularly interested in because it's almost like an arranged marriage. And um, if, if you don't know, if you haven't been at Decided Church for very long, you already know that my four-year-old Donovan and McKenna Jansen, we are working on an arranged marriage for. They're basically betrothed to each other in the sight of God already, but uh, I brought his, so it was was McKenna's birthday this week, she turned five, so she's a little bit older than Donovan, a little cougar there, but happy fifth birthday, McKenna. This is Donovan's, he wanted to, to write and dictate the words to this card, his mom wrote it, but he chose the words, and this is what he said, talking about love stories and arranged marriages. I really, really, really Love you, Kenna. Not McKenna. It's a step beyond. He's, he's got the nickname for her, the little pet name already. So it's not McKenna to him. It's Kenna. I really, three, three really, I really, really, really love you, Kenna, more than anyone. Happy birthday to my best friend. My favorite thing about you is that you look so pretty. And this is what gets me. His last line is, you're in my heart. What four-year-old guy is saying that? I'm like, Donovan, protect your heart, bro. Protect it. He is invested into this relationship. God, help him. If she ever decides to date anyone else, because he is going to be crushed. But uh, we're, we're, working, we're working on the arranged marriage. His dad's right there, and we're working really hard on it. Um, this marriage in Genesis 24, if you want to turn there in your Bibles... Genesis 24, it's not an arranged marriage, but it's pretty close. The dad decides who his son marries, which I also think is a very wonderful principle. As long as dad is invested and involved in your life, I think that's a great thing. I, I would love the opportunity to pick out 
my son's wives. I think that's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. But Abraham chooses a bride for his son through his servant, Eliezer. We know that from chapter 15, verse 2. So this is the story of how Rebekah became the wife of Isaac. Isaac being the son of promise. We saw a different well last week that concerned Ishmael, that concerned Abraham's plan and Hagar there. But this is the well that surrounds Isaac, the son of promise. It largely centers around a well. We're going to read a lengthy passage this morning, but it's okay. Uh, Because it's a story, so it won't be hard to follow along. So you stand up. We're going to read together Genesis 24, 1 through whatever. Don't pay attention. Don't even look at it. It's okay. Um, I'll just read it. You listen. Genesis 24 in your Bible. Let's read this love story together and see what we can draw from it. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, uh, who had charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh that, you may, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife from my son Isaac. The servant said to him, perhaps the woman may not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, see to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred and who spoke to me and swore to me to your offspring, I will give this land. He will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife from my son from there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you'll be free from the oath of mine. You must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning the matter. Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels remember that, and departed, taking all sorts of choice gifts from his master. And he arose, went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor, and he made the camels kneel down outside the city by what? The well of water at the time of evening, the time when women would go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water, And the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, drink, and I will water your camels. How many camels again? How many gallons of water do camels consume? (laughs) 70 gallons. We're talking about 10 times. That's 700 gallons of water, many hours of work. Hello. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink. And who shall say, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom I have appointed for your servant Isaac. By this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little drink of water from your jar. She said, drink, my Lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also. Mm, Hard worker. Until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. She drew for all the camels. A man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. Verse 22. When the camels had finished drinking, several hours later, maybe the next day. I'm just kidding. 
Um, when the man had, took a gold ring weighing half a shekel and two bracelets for her arm weighing ten gold shekels and said, Please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, who, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, We have both plenty of straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Jesus, uh, your word is so rich, so full. Help us to draw encouragement and satisfaction from our souls. Remove any distraction here this morning. Hide me behind your cross. Let the words of my mouth be exactly what you want spoken out this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Unfortunately, Emily, this is, we're actually not going to talk about uh, finding love this morning. I'm sorry. However, you can, make, you can make some love connections in here, Sarah. You can make some love connections, but we're going to use this fantastic love story. It is fantastic story. It's around a well as a setup to talk about God's will. If you want a sermon title for this morning, it's the well of his will, the well of his will. Did you know the sermons on God's will are not just for youth groups? Sermons on God's will are not just for people who are at a crossroads in their career. They're not just for people who need God to come through. It's for all adults. It's for adults to understand God's will in a fresh way from this love story. Besides that, I know some of you are still praying the same prayer you were at nine. God, please help me know what to be when I grow up. Any adult pray that prayer this morning willing to admit it? I just don't know. I'm still waiting on God to show me his, uh, the stars aligning type thing. But I know that there's adults who pray for God's will. I know that there's youth. And it's so important for us to understand we find ourselves at a well this morning, the well of his will. And all of us, understand this, all of us at some point or another in our lives have come face to face with questioning God's will. We've doubted his plan. We've become impatient with his timing. Hello? We've questioned what he's doing. We've begged for an answer. We've called out to him when we need direction. In other words, if we're asking the question, what fills our soul? Doubt, fear, anxiety, overwhelming worry when it comes out to finding his plan for our lives. Well, what we have in Genesis 24 is a great case study on how to approach God's will. A case study. That's right. His name is Eliezer. We're going to learn about him. And we're going to learn about him quick because I've been doing a terrible time at managing my time lately. So we're going to, you listen quick, I'll speak quick, and we'll be done. Sound good? We have to start with the historical context, which does get a little weird if you were in the sermon last week. Will said, I don't envy Jim because he's going to have a uh, situation to address. So let's just cover that first. Genesis 24, what's the context here? Abraham being old, he commissions his oldest servant, Eliezer, we know that from chapter 15, verse 2, to find a wife for his son Isaac. 
Isaac is 40. It's time to marry. They grew up a lot slower, quicker than I don't know. But he's 40 and it's time to marry. And Eliezer was Abraham's estate manager and confidant. So that makes sense. He was in charge of all of Abraham's possessions. So he knew Abraham. Why Isaac doesn't go get a wife for himself, I don't know. But what I know is that Abraham was very particular that he wanted a woman, a girl for Isaac who was from the same um, ethnicity. He wanted a girl from Mesopotamia. He wanted a girl that would know his God, that would worship the same God, that would have the same culture, that would have the same standards, all of that stuff. He was living in Canaan, but he said, don't, don't, don't get a wife for my son Isaac from here. What would happen in Old Testament times is they would intermarry and they would begin to adopt the culture of the people they were married to and they would begin to worship those gods and soon you had idols everywhere and temples to those idols and false gods and God had made a particular covenant with Abraham that he was going to be the patriarch of the nation of Israel, the forefather of the nation of Israel. And so he was very concerned about who his son married. And so he makes his servant take an oath. Okay, here it is. I'll just get it out there. Abraham makes him take an oath that he'll find a wife from Abraham's native land, Mesopotamia, hundreds of miles away, and he'll bring her back. Because the temptation would have been that if Isaac went to find the wife hundreds of miles away, many weeks to journey that he might not have come back. So he wants to make sure that Isaac stays, the servant goes, brings back the wife. And so they do an oath thing, all right? (laughs) Abraham asks Eliezer to put his hand under his thigh. Apparently, most commentators and theologians believe it's related to the place where the scar from circumcision would have been indicating a reverent reminder of the oath God made to them when setting them apart as a people. All right, but um, so there, there could be spiritual application there. I am unwilling to draw it out. That's where the conversation begins and ends with the oath up under the thigh on the place of circumcision, okay? Chalk it up to my immaturity if you need to. Anyway, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm just going to say that I'm grateful I can shake hands with Brendan and call it a day. There's no thigh grabbing at Decided Church. Denise already put it in the bylaws in case you were wondering. No thigh grabbing here. Cameron and any other person, no thigh grabbing. We're, it's, it's here in Genesis 24 and we're done with it. That was as quick as it came, is as quick as it's gone, okay? All right, so the servant leaves. He's done. The moment is over. The oath is... Oh, golly, I feel bad for Eliezer. The servant leaves on his journey with many possessions, many gifts, right? Um, Gifts for the potential bride, 10 camels, and he positions himself by a well. He knew that women would come out to draw water. How many of you know that in order to hear God's will, you need to position yourself in a place to hear God's will? The servant didn't just go blindly to Mesopotamia. He didn't walk around for days. He, didn't, he wasn't haphazardly thinking that he was going to bump into God's will or is that what, it was going to be written in the sky or somehow it would just hit him across the head like a, 
a wall of bricks, he had a plan. He positioned himself by the well where he knew he would hear God's will. So how many of us need to learn a lesson there about drawing from a well means that you've got to position yourself by the well. We're talking about God's will here. We're talking about hearing from God. We're talking about knowing his heart. The servant positioned himself by the well where he knew. And you're here. You're already here this morning. You're in church. So you get it. You understand the part where in order to hear from God, you need to position yourself beside God. So important. More on that later. Then he asked God to answer a specific prayer. This is his test. And he says, all right, my plan is I'm going to go to the well, the major well outside of the city at the time when women come to draw water. And then this is how it's going to work. I'm going to wait and watch. And the girl who draws water for herself, I'm going to ask her for a drink. If she says yes, good. Check that box. But then I'm going to go a step further and ask, that if she offers to water my 10 camels, drinking 70 gallons of water each, if she offers to water them, then I know that's the girl. And see, culturally speaking, she w- he would have been able to find out so much information from that. Her character, her work ethic, her morals, her standards, where she's from, what she's wearing. He would have been able to tell a lot by watching her water his camels. That's his plan. And the same goes for you and I. We're not asking, I hope you're not asking, in order to find a spouse, they got to water my camels. I don't know what that means in today's language. Maybe fill your car with gas. I don't know. But we do know this about God's will. If you want a specific answer, pray specifically. How many of you know that when you pray specifically, you get specific answers? Amen? If you want a specific answer for your life, if you're at that crossroads, pray specifically. And the Bible so graciously points out in verse 15 that before he had finished speaking, God was answering his request. And that's the thing about God's will is if you'll just, it's, it's what's on your heart. It's if you can put it into words and put it into a request form and God can see that your heart is truly after him and you truly do want what he wants for your life. Isaiah 65, 24 says, it shall come to pass before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. Amen. Isaiah 65, 24. God just wants you to ask him specifically and he'll answer specifically. Oftentimes before you're even done with the request because he's already heard your heart. He's already heard your heart. And although just like Eliezer didn't know Rebecca was the one, we may not know that God's already answering, but he's already working out the circumstances in your life to bring about that what he wants for his will. Ask specifically and you'll get specific answers. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. In other words, if you have, if you can get your heart aligned with God's will according to the big overarching plan, if you'll give that to him, 
He'll orchestrate all the tiny decisions and the tiny details and the individual steps that it takes to get there. God's will is so much bigger than our individual decisions. But that's where we get hung up. You and I get hung up there. We're afraid of making the wrong move, the wrong decision, the wrong location, the the wrong career, the wrong job, the wrong spouse. God's saying, give the whole thing to me. I will make the steps for you. Hmm. More on that later. So then the Bible says that he watches her and waits on confirmation from the Lord before he moves. He tests her with one more question about her family history and whether they could host him for the night. And then he ends up finding exactly the information he needed that she's related distantly to Abraham. That's not weird. There were only so many families at this point anyway. So yes, they intermarried. It was cool. The gene pool was crazy expansive. So he finds out that this girl is from her father's, or from Abraham's kindred. He was a kinsman. And he was wanting to make sure that this woman, this wife that he would find for Isaac, was of the same standards, the same moral code, the same character. So a lesson for all you ladies, this is for, this is nothing to do with the sermon, but that list you have in your Bible or on your phone for that man, unequally yoked, baby. I know that's at the top of your list, but don't compromise on those things. You don't need to. Don't compromise. You wait. You wait for that confirmation. The Bible says the Eliezer waited in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. So that's a good prayer already. God, are you prospering me through this man? Are you prospering me through this woman? But realize that this is not a 60-second wait because we talked about how many camels this guy had. This is 10 camels, 70 gallons each. He's watching her for a couple of hours, learning about her, praying, seeking God's face. How many of you know that when it comes to God's will, part of the purpose in his will is the wait? Some of the greatest lessons you'll learn about what God wants for your life is while you're waiting for him to tell you. Because this waiting period is not boredom. It's not, it's not an overwhelming. It's not just walking around in circles. While you're waiting, you worship. While you're waiting, you plug in and you serve. You position yourself by a well, but let me not get carried away. The waiting period is when you're seeking that godly advice. The waiting period is when you're praying and seeking God's face. The waiting period is probably the most important part of finding his will. Is when he makes you wait. When you're standing in the hallway and there's a lot of doors and you don't know which one to open and you're waiting for him to open one, that time, that crucial waiting period, that is more about God's will than any answer to your specific need that you could get. There's purpose in the waiting. There's so much wisdom to be gathered by not rushing into emotional decisions, which is a cultural, it's, it's a trend. Young people and old people alike, they, they think they're going to get God's will on some church retreat on a spiritual high. They're going to have an emotional connection moment that's going to be a lightning bolt or written in the stars or God's going to tell them the big answer to their mystery. It's going to be just flashing before them in lights and that's not where it's found. It's found in the waiting. It's found in the process. I'll wait because you're not ready for it quite yet. 
But here's the sermon. Here you go. Here's, here you go. The well of his will. This is the sermon. Let's look again at verse 27, Genesis chapter 4, verse 27. It says, and he said, this is, he's expressing himself that this whole thing was a test anyway, and that he was finding a, a wife, a spouse for his master's son, and this is all news to her, right? She's just getting water. She's just being nice. And here he's unloading on her all this, her future plans. And um, he says, blessed be the Lord. He's thanking God publicly for her in front of her, the God of my master, Abraham, who's not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, as for me, here it is. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way, in the way to the house of my master. In the way to the house of my master's kinsman, whatever, you get the point. It's in the way. No, 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 you don't get it yet. That's okay. This is so crucial. This is so big. This is such a perspective shift on the will of God for your life. Can we take it back? Do you mind if I take it old school for just five minutes of your time? Do you mind if I go independent Baptist on you for just five minutes? Somebody grab me a KJV because we're going to take it back to the old Texas Receptus or whatever it is called. KJV. It's the same verse saying the same thing, but let's see if it pops at you a little different, Dora. You ready? We're talking about God's will, Dora. We're talking about how you know that you know. Genesis 24, 27. Old school style, independent Baptist style. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my master of his mercy and his truth. I being in The way the Lord led me. Whoa! Are you here? Am I preaching to at least five people this morning? I being in the way. If you are searching this morning for God's will for your life, are you just standing there? Are you getting in his way? Don't just stand there. Get in the way. If you want God's will for your life, This is it. God's will at the well is found in the way to the well. Can I say that one more time? God's will at the well is found, Benji, in the way to the well. It's a process. This is so important to understand. This is, are, you, are you looking for a big move? Are you doubting God's will for your life? Are you fearful for the unknown? What's filling your soul? Are you needing direction at a crossroads in your life? Don't just stand there. Get in the way. Eliezer is showing us that the well of his will is the way. One commentator put it this way. It's hard to steer a parked car If you're waiting to be guided by the Lord, you ought to be going. You ought to be going. Put that thing in drive. Don't just stand there. Get in the way of His will. I know what we're after, okay? I'm a human like you, and the human condition is that we want the answer. We want the destination. We want the career. We want to know the location. We want to know the spouse, Stevie. We want to know who he is. We want to know his name. We want to know what he looks like. We want to know the timing. We want to know the multiple choice answer. We often refer to all of that as the concealed will of God. In this fact, that's not even how his will works. 
That's not how his will works. He's not a vending machine. It's not open point and read. So many young Christians just say, well, I'm just going to, and this is it. But though he caused grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. That's my word. God's will is not found that way. God's will is not the emotional high. It's not the emotional decision. It's not the church retreat. God's will is the way. The way, the, the will The well of his will is the way to the well. How can I say it better? Don't just stand there, get in the way. His will is found by doing what he's already revealed for you to do. We say it all the time, brush your teeth. His will is found in commitment. His will is found in the habits. His will is found in the routines you put in place. His will is found by getting in his way. So how do you get in his way? How do you get in God's way? Eliezer gives us five things. I only have time for two. Number one, by honoring authority. The whole first chapter of Genesis 24 is him taking every precaution to honor Abraham's wishes. He's consumed by making sure Abraham knows he wants to do it exactly how Abraham wants. He asks a lot of questions. And even when he's at the well, he prays again about his specific plan that God would prosper him. No, that God would prosper his master. And so I've come to tell you, if you want to get in the way of God's will, honor the authority he's already given in your life. You cannot tell me that you're searching for God's will, but also denying the authority that God has placed in your life. That could be a spouse, it could be a boss, it could be a coworker, it could be just those people, Michael, who pour godly advice into you. So don't tell me you're searching for God's will when 10 people have told you, don't move to Colorado, Brendan, and you decide to move anyway. God's will is not found outside of the authority he's put in your life. Anybody there? God has put authority in your life on purpose, whether they're saved or unsaved. Hello, that's a different message. And that is part of his will for you. Eliezer honored the authority, therefore finding himself already being in the way of God's movement. Honor authority. If you're like me, you don't like being told what to do. I don't like being told what to do but I got to suck it up sometimes because authority is God's will for my life. There is no person here, young or old, who can say that, well, I'm kind of outside of that time period of authority of my life. I'm salt and peppered myself. I am the authority. No, no, no. Everybody here, young or old, you've either got a parent, a boss, a coworker, or just mentors who pour godly advice into you, and that is the first step to discovering God's will for your life. Don't even get me preaching any more than I already am. God's will is not found outside of the authority. You get it? Number two, Eliezer not only honored authority, he expected God to work. Hello. He expected God to work. That comes to us in three different ways. He had a plan. He was not impulsive. He was not emotional. He expected God to work by being prepared for God to work. Funny the way that works. Can I say it again for the people in the back? He 
expected God to work by preparing for God to work? Are you making space in your life for God to even show you his will? Do you even have space? Or is it a crowded out idol factory all about you? Eliezer had a plan. He had a specific request. He put himself by the well and he says, all right, here's the game plan. So many of us are expecting to bump into God's will. That's not how it works. It's found on the way. It's found being in the way. It's found in the commitment, in the routines, in the plans, in the specific prayers. All right. Why do you think we leave this parking lot out front empty? For you guys, we're expecting God to work by preparing for him to work. Why do you think we spent 15 grand that we could have used elsewhere to put gravel behind the church and to clear trees? We're expecting God to work, so we prepare for him to work. Why do you think we moved from one service to two services? We're expecting God to work, so we prepare for him to work. What have you moved out in your life? What have you said no to? What have you dismissed? What have you let go of that's good in order to grab a hold of what's best so that you have room to even hear God's will in your heart? You expect God to work by preparing for him to work. The guy had a plan. Not only that, he positioned himself to hear from God. We talked about this a little bit, but what well in your life have you positioned yourself beside that God might be trying to use to speak to you. Are you faithful to church? You know, this is the time when habits are created and routines are set in stone. It's go back to school week, isn't it, Nina? I know. Are you a senior this year at least? Oh, junior? Sophomore, oh my gosh. I just reminded you of your two, three more years of future, but that's okay. That's all right. You'll make it. But this is the time when routines and new family schedules are set in stone. So I would encourage you, you're doing a good job, make moves now. Set the routines now. Are you faithful in your church attendance? (laughs) Billy wants to hear God speak into his heart. But if Billy does not position himself by the well God uses to speak to people, then he doesn't really want God's will in his life. He can say it with his words. But if he's not finding himself at the well that God uses to share his will with people, then don't tell me you're after God's will, Christina. You got to put yourself by the well. So if you're not at church and you're not plugged into a light group, oh, I get those stupid notifications from that group me all the time. I'm just going to remove myself from the light group, group me. but I need community. How come I don't have any friends? Like, oh, how come nobody wants to hang out with me? Okay, I'm pretty sure I just saw your name. I have removed myself from the group. So don't, here's what, that community that you think is God's will for your life is probably found by the well that's labeled like group. But you say, God, I want your will. Show me your concealed will. Show me if I need to move or find a new church or get a boyfriend or make the career move or location, destination, spouse, timing. But we walk away from the very thing he's ordained to show us his will. 
Eliezer made a plan. Eliezer positioned himself by a well. Eliezer made opportunities. Don't pray for opportunities. Make opportunities. Do you understand? Opportunities are all around you. They come on faces of people that you're sitting beside. Make opportunities. Do you know what it said in Genesis 24? I think it was verse 16 or 17. I'll get back there eventually. But it says... In verse 16, the young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Verse 17, he's got a decision to make. I can sit here and pray about it. I don't know if that's the one. I'm going to just pray about it. Or, verse 17, then the servant ran to meet her and said, he ran to her and he opened his mouth to start the process of knowing whether this was God's will for him or not, whether it was God's will for Isaac or not. Make opportunities. Do you understand that, ladies, do you understand, like, yeah, the man is supposed to chase you, but you can also make opportunities to present yourself available so that he will want to run to you and open his mouth. Make opportunities. The guy ran to her. The guy opened his mouth. And this, this, this is the point where we as humans get... It's our human condition. I know. Karen, I know because I'm one of y'all. I'm a human. And what I do, see, I'm confused with, the, with the, the making opportunities part because what if I make the wrong opportunity, Callie? What if I make the wrong job move? What if it's not the right job for me? What if I marry the wrong person? We can talk about that later. What if I moved to the wrong place and it was really I was supposed to end up over here? We get consumed with making the wrong individual decisions, not realizing that God's will is so much bigger than that. It, it, can, it can work that out. How do I say this? Don't just stand there. Get in the way. You know, that's too much pressure for any of us making the right decision every time. None of us, my gosh, none of us would be in God's will if it were up to our individual decisions. I made 13 wrong decisions this morning. God's will is not a decision. It's not a location. It's not a career. It's not a timing thing. God's will at the well is found in the way to the well. God's will is a current not a career. It's the journey, not the job. It's the way, not the wedding. Let me put it to you this way and we'll be done. The Saluda River. Has anybody been down the Saluda River, tubing, kayaking, whatever? I love it. I'm a water guy. I get it. There's many ways to approach the Saluda River, though. You've got the Hope Ferry Landing. You've got the Saluda Shoals Landing. You've got the Candy Lane Entrance, which is off of Greystone, back by the zoo thingy, where Sierra Hilton works. You've got the Riverfront Park or River, River Walk, whichever one it is. I can't keep them straight, but you've got that one. There's at least four different ways to get into the river, not mention you could jump in behind a dam if you want. But the human condition is, God, show me which landing to choose. I don't know if I should get in at the Saluda or get in at Hope Ferry. Maybe I should go see Sierra Hilton down there on Candy Lane. And God is saying, 
No, it, it, it doesn't matter how you show up to the river. Just get in. Don't stand there. Get in the way. I, being in the way, the Lord led me. Y'all looking like, like a chimpanzee up here this morning. <laughs> Don't just stand there. Get in the way. His will is the current. And no matter where you show up at the river, if you just get in, it leads to the same place anyway. God's will is in the way. There's at least three different ways to get into this room. A lot of the sound people come in through that room over there. Y'all might have come in through the double doors. I come in from the black curtain because I'm VIP like that. I'm just kidding. I came in through the double doors too. I just thought, it sounds cool. We'll, we'll start entering through the black curtain. But there's a door back there too. We are consumed with the door. God is consumed with the room. Don't worry about the individual decisions. Commit your heart to him. He will establish the steps. Don't just stand there, get in the way. Get in the way. Start moving. Make decisions. Make moves. We call it brushing your teeth. You want to know God's will for your life? Brush your teeth. Do what you know you're supposed to do today, and tomorrow will take care of itself. Serve as a volunteer. Join a light group. Open your Bible. Call a godly friend. The well of his will is found in the way. So what's filling your soul this morning? Tired of sitting on the sidelines? Wondering if you should sit it out or dance? You want to matter? You want God to use you? You want to feel important? Don't just stand there. Get in the way. Get in the way. One more thing, I being in the way, the Lord led me. I'm going to say this, I'm not going to talk about it, and we'll be done. If you can throw up the KJV version, I know. Hey, listen, y'all worship like Pentecostals, so I can preach like an independent Baptist. It's okay. Now, I being in the way, this is cool because in the Hebrew, it's only one word. If you're looking for a baby name, this word in Hebrew is literally Derek, D-E-R-E-K. Now, it's not pronounced that way. In Hebrew, it's Dere. You got to roll the R though. Deire. The word in Hebrew, you can shut your Bibles and close your eyes. The word in Hebrew literally means road, way, path, journey, direction. But catch this the word also means manner, habit, routine. So this is all scriptural, you're telling me? Yeah, it's Bible. It's literally part of the word. You want to know God's will? Let me see your habits, your manners, and your routines. Not manners like plate, fork, knife, spoon, napkin. Your mannerisms, your habits, your routines. God's will at the well is found in the way to the well. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for its richness. God, I don't know of a person here who doesn't want to know your heart, who doesn't want to know your voice, who doesn't want to know your plan for their life. I think, I think that it's safe to say we're all on the same page when it comes to wanting your will for our life, but just teach us how to get in its way. God, would you teach us not not to beg for the multiple choice answer. Don't teach us not to ask for the location or the spouse or the career. 
is so much bigger than that. God, teach us to get in the way. God, teach us to be like Eliezer, to look back and be able to say, I being in the way the Lord led me because I was already moving, I was already going. Teach us to honor authority. Teach us to expect you to work. Teach us to have a plan. Teach us to position ourselves by wells. Teach us to make opportunities. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if this message meant something to you, if God's word moved in your heart, can you just raise your hand? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for the person sitting on your left and right. That makes about everybody. Jesus, we need you in this room. Can you read our hearts, God? Your word says that if we'll, if we'll give our way to you, if we'll commit our way, if we'll, if we'll give the big, the big thing to you, the big thing that's written on our heart, if we'll, if we'll give that to you, if we'll trust you with it, our lives, not only will you work out our steps, but the Bible says that you hear us before we even finish praying that you hear our heart, that you answer before we say it because you can read our heart. God, would you just look at, look at us from on high and read our hearts this morning? Would you, would you see the humbleness here in this room? Would you see the, the outcry for your presence here in this room? We want all the distractions gone. We want you to take all the choices away. We want, just take the world. Take all of it. Take the distractions. Just give us you. We want your face, we want your presence, we want your will. Help us to get in your way, God. Help us to get in the way. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.